Hey everybody, welcome to the Ascent Church Podcast. We want to come alongside you, so click subscribe to never miss life-changing and encouraging content that we release every single week. Our heart is to tell others about the life-changing truth of the gospel. I want to challenge you, would you share this with one friend who might need some encouragement? And we love it when you spread the word by sharing on social media and letting us know where you're listening from. Enjoy today's message. Amen. You may go ahead and get cozy. Go ahead and have a seat. I got to ask, who is happy to be alive? Who's happy to be at church today? Anyone? Can, can you show me some excitement? I love the 1130. Y'all are rowdy. Y'all are a rowdy bunch. I like y'all. Y'all are kind of a mess, and I love it. It's a wild crowd. I like it. I like it. Well, I want to welcome you to Ascent Church. Um, would you help me welcome everyone who's new in the house and online, especially our military? Y'all sound good today. I like it. Especially if you're deployed, a hospital, traveling, whatever, we're glad you're here. If you are online or in the house, we'd love for you to open YouTube and find Ascent Church. Hit subscribe. We want to make it easy to stay connected. Same with our podcast, same with social media. A lot is going on in the life of our church. We're very excited about it. Um, the first two services were an overflow, both services. I know parking is near impossible to find. I want to thank you for your patience. Starting September 10th, we're dropping our fourth service, number four, which is awesome. That's a win. That's a celebration because God's moving. He's doing something. And all these service times are getting, are getting blown up, all right? Um, they're in the lobby. Check them out. But this service will no longer exist. They're all getting shuffled. So you can pray for me. People are already bringing me Celsius energy drinks. I'm, I'm a fan. All right? All right? I might have a special concoction in the back. We will see. We will see. But um, this is an opportunity to reach more people. Uh, we're looking for larger spaces. We're looking for spaces either to expand and open campuses to or maybe larger, more central spaces to move all of us into. We're looking, we're praying. Please join us in prayer. But the point is this, God's doing something special here and I want to invite you to stay in the loop. All right, the best way to do that is on social media. So let's connect. You can find us on Instagram and also Facebook at Ascent Church VA. You can find me at pastor.tlane, T-L-A-N-E. Thank you for staying in the loop. We're excited to see where God leads us this season. We're talking about our being in the middle. Our church is kind of in the middle. And the reason we're studying the book of Numbers is because God's people were in the middle. They were just saved by grace. They were slaves in Egypt. God rescued them. They didn't have to fight out. They walked out. It says they, carried, they were carried as if on eagle's wings. God rescued them in a radical act of grace. And he's carrying them through the wilderness into the promised land. And you might say, what does this have to do with me and my life and my struggles? Everything. Because if you're a Christian... That is your same story. You were saved by grace, radical grace, but you are not yet to the promised land. You are not yet to the new heavens and the new earth. You, me, all of us, we are in the middle. We're in between. We're in the wilderness. And today we're learning how to walk in the wilderness. This applies to everyone, every single one of us in this room today. The other day, someone shared an interview with me. I love going to the gym. I love training. And uh, it was an interview with six-time Mr. Olympia, Mr. Dorian Yates. Anyone ever heard of Dorian Yates? Anybody? A few of you. You, sir, you look like Dorian Yates. Yeah, I see you in the second row. All right. I thought it was him for a second. I wasn't sure, but I don't know if that's him. But uh, this guy's massive. He's in his 60s now, but he's just huge. He's a huge guy. And, and I wish I could have found the interview. And you've done this. You've watched the video, and you can no longer find it. But the, he had a strange training method. And the interviewer is basically like, if someone is critiquing your method or doesn't really believe your method, what would you say to them? Now, Dorian Yates could have said, I'm Dorian Yates and you're not. He could have also said, I got six Mr. Olympias. How many do you have? But he didn't say that. He said something very wise. He said, if you're in a rut, if you feel like you're not making progress, what does it hurt to try something new for 
month, a week, and just to, just to try it. What have you got to lose? With all due respect, and I'm not claiming I have six Mr. Olympias at all, but a lot of us might be in a rut. It's easy to get in a rut in our faith, with our family, in our dating life, with our finances. It's easy to just get in a place of stagnation in a rut. I'm going to challenge you to try something new to lean in a little deeper. Now, if you're like, my faith is white hot, better than ever before, you might not gain anything from this. But for the rest of us, us normal people, I believe wants to call, God wants to call us deeper and pull us higher. If you're a Christian, this is a reminder. If you're not, this is who we are at the core of our faith. Now, what this passage is about is a vow. Tim Keller, before he passed away, spoke on this, and he said this is, quote, a way of saying I'm going to dedicate myself to God in a special way. So we're going to look at this. There's three ways to dedicate ourselves to God in a special way, but we're not going to look in the service. We're going to, look, we're going to dig down deep. And say, what is the meaning? What is the purpose? What does this apply? How does this apply for me today? And how can we use this through this passage to learn to walk with God in the wilderness? Now, the first one scared you because it had to do with alcohol. So let's read it again because some of y'all are like, "Uh uh-oh. Let's read it. Number six, verse one. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. Now, what you heard was, if you want a strong faith, you can't have any fun. That's what you heard. But that's not what he's saying. Slow down. They must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. Some of y'all, some of y'all gave, you gave kid, your kids grape juice on the way here. You're like, I blew it. Can't even eat raisins. Raisins are nasty. Who would who would want to do that? What's going on here? Verse four. As long as they remain under their Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. On the surface, you heard God just say, "No white claws." And at first, you're like, "How does Pastor T know what a white claw is?" Shut up. Okay, cool it a little bit. All right, all right, but but like. It's peculiar because on the surface, it's like, okay, no fun. I get that. But that's, it's not what he's saying. Because Jesus' first public miracle, he was at a party and they ran out of wine. Now, I don't know if you've ever been at a party and it just starts to die. People are drifting away. This was a long party. It was a wedding. It was a huge feast. And it was a big social faux pas to run out of wine. And they ran out of wine. And Jesus didn't just say, here's a sip. You can have this little cup, you sinners. But I'm watching you. He didn't say that. He turned water into wine, choice wine, the best wine, gallons and gallons and gallons. I'll keep going. And gallons and barrels of wine. So Jesus can't be saying, don't have fun, don't drink. Jesus have wine. What's going on here? There's got to be something else under the surface. Even if you look, it it, it didn't just say no wine. It says no, no grapes from the vine, no grapes or raisins. That's like a sweet treat. Who loves a sweet treat? Who loves crumble cookie? Mm, y'all gro- that was like a weird groan. It was like, a, I'm real familiar, but I wish I wasn't groan. It was like a, mm, mm. You said a lot in that groan, and it was all, it all sounded the same. My favorite one, you got fa- my favorite is the chocolate with the peanut butter and the chocolate. Anyone know that one? 880 calories. You know what I do at crumble? People bring crumble all the time. And you know what I do to make myself feel better? I'll cut it into four pieces. And then I'll eat all four pieces. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I cut it four, so I'm like, just a bite, and then I'll have another one, and I'm like, well, I, I, I worked legs today, one more, and then I've eaten a cookie and a half. What's going on here? Is Jesus saying no fun? That's not what he's saying. In this passage, this is according to Keller, this is his interpretation, which I trust. Love is perspective. Wine has to do with joy. Wine has to do with peace. Point one is this. In a world of chaos, make him your peace. Make him your peace. Make him your joy. It's not saying you can't have alcohol. It's not saying you can't have grapes or crumble. It's not saying that. It's saying make him your joy. Make him your peace. People ask me, how do I know if something's too much? Can I have alcohol in my life or not? What about spending money? Am I spending too much on myself or not? What about that car? What about that thing? Here's a good test if you're not sure. Where do I run for safety or escape? If alcohol is just alcohol, fine. If vacation is just vacation, fine. If, if video games are just video games, that's fine. But there's a difference in having something in your life versus running to it for safety or escape. The only way I can get through the day is I can go home and just I'm plug in video games, just play for five hours. Only way I can get through life is I need that pill. I need that drink. I need to smoke that thing. I need to do that thing. If that is your heart, then that is a problem. And if drinking is something you do with your wife, your friends, social, it's a little thing. That's fine. But if it becomes your life, you can have white claws. Just don't let white claws have you. Someone that's going to be your main takeaway. I'm trying to give you good stuff. You're going to be at brunch. What did, they t- what did Pastor T talk about? He said something about white claws. Now, here's a warning. I want to I warn you. It's human nature. We get addicted to things. And we get addicted to things, and sometimes the way we break our addiction, we don't actually break an addiction, we just switch the addiction to something else. Disney's in this thing right now. They're, all they're doing is making these live-action movies. Have you seen any? They're like two and a half hours long, dog. Like they, I don't know what they're doing. The old school one's like an hour and a half. That's about all I can, all I can handle. All right? But there's, there's new ones, and they keep getting longer and longer, and Snow White's coming out. And Rachel Zegler of Snow White said this. She said, I just mean it's no longer 1937. And we absolutely wrote a Snow White, quote, she's not going to be saved by the prince. And she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. And on the surface, it's like, you go, girl. You don't need a man. You don't need to be saved by anyone. You don't need a husband. You don't need a family. You don't need that. You need a career. You, you forge your own path. You, you get out there and take over. I want you to know that mentality is not ridding yourself of slavery. You're just switching slave masters. There was a young lady who her struggle, she often got into toxic relationships. She'd be with one dude who she knew was bad for her, but that's where she got her identity and her value. She found it in the opposite sex, and she would get into a relationship, and it would be bad. And then she'd spiral down, and you know what would happen? They'd break up, and you know what would happen? She'd get in another toxic relationship. And guess what? It would be bad, and they'd break up, and she'd meet a new guy, and she'd say, this one's different. He wasn't. But we can convince ourselves of things when we have an addiction. And then finally her friends came around her and said, honey, Sugar, baby doll, you don't need a man. What you need is a career. And on the surface, that sounds good. Yeah, I don't, I don't need a man telling me. I don't need a husband or a boyfriend telling me that I'm, that I'm worth it. I can go out and do it myself. That, that sounds good. And she said, yeah, 
Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's what I need. That's great. And so she, she, she turned away from men. You got really involved in career. Went to school. She got a job and got promoted and promoted. And then she realized something. She said, wait a second. I was looking to the opposite sex to give me worth and value. But now I'm looking to my boss to give me worth and value. Maybe if I'm at the top, things will be different. So you get to the top. Guess what happens at the top? Where, you, where do you look for worth and value at the top? The economy? Those customer reviews? How sales are doing? You, 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 you look and you, if sales are up, you feel great. But if they're down, it's not just you're bummed. Your value is at stake. These things are called idols. We take good things. There's nothing wrong with relationships. There's nothing wrong with marriage. It's a good thing. Career is a good thing, but we make them ultimate things. And if you're looking at me saying, how am I supposed to love my spouse less? How am I supposed to love men or women less? How am, I, how am I supposed to live my career less? Don't love those things less. Love God more. You can't just turn down your heart, but you can fall in love with Jesus. Look, 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 what, look what Keller says. He says, turn to Jesus. He says, he's the only master who doesn't enslave. The only one. He's the only master that forgives. If you fail your career it will bury you. He's the only one whose mercies are new every morning. And I love your career, but I don't think it's going to do that for you. Keep it just a career. Keep, the, keep dating just dating. Keep comfort. Whatever it is, keep it just where it belongs. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. One more time. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. If you keep running to relationships, if you keep running to career, if you keep running to idols for safety, you will never find peace. But once you realize, he is my refuge, he is my strength, you can have peace right now, you can have joy right now, you can have hope and value right now, and nothing can take that away from you. Nothing. Nothing can take that away. Because listen, when you fail Jesus, you know what happens? He's, he, you feel his love even more, even closer. Who has kids? You were probably even more close with your kids when they are screwing up and failing than when they're behaving perfectly. Is that right? You lean in hard. You're present. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. I believe that. Just to recap, listen, white claws are fine. but they're a bad source of strength. God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's our hiding place. He's what fuels us, encourages us, gives us our worth and our identity. White claws are fine, but a bad source of strength. Write that down. (laughs) Point one is this, just to recap. In a world of chaos, make him your peace. So that, the first one is about drinking. Got it. The second one's even weirder, y'all. You ready? During the entire period of the Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. What is this about? What's the underlying principle? What's the heart of the passage? I love a good haircut. I love a fresh fade. Anybody else? I got a fade this week. Those of you who have kids, you ever take your kids to get, get a haircut? It's a good way to waste $80, Yeah. Let's do them. Let's take them all at the same time. It'll be faster. No, it's not. You think put them in like in this little fire truck or little airplane to get the haircuts going to work? It's not going to work. They're going to scream the whole time. You know what we do? Want to know how classy my family is? 
We take them in the backyard. We get a trash bag, trash bag. <laughs> rip a little hole in it, put it around their heads. Put an iPad on, put on some kind of show. I don't know. Let them hold still. We get the clippers out. That's our backyard. And guess what, baby? It's free 99. <laughs> it may be crooked. I don't care, dog. They're fine. They're just kids. Some of y'all heard this, no haircuts. And the husbands are like, see, babe, you spend too much on your hair. See, babe, Jesus said, don't, you don't need an extension or a coloring or whatever. If we're going to be honest, if we're going to be real honest, some of y'all spend more on your hair than I spent on my Honda Accord. <laughs> if we're going to be real, real. And sorry to let you down, husbands. That's not what it's saying. Ladies, be free. It's not what it's saying. Husbands, don't play that card. What's this about? Haircut. What's, what, you know what this is about? This is powerful. This is the hardest one. This one's about control. This is about taking your hands off of your life and saying, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with everything so much. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to cut my hair. Now, don't go home and say this is what, don't go home and not cut your hair, but it's a principle. Take the principle to take your hands off your life, to say what comes, comes. Good, come, bad, comes, this, that, it's fine. God opens the door, I'll go through it. If he shuts the door, we'll keep moving forward. In a world of uncertainty, make him your hope. Point two. In a world of uncertainty, make him your hope. You are not in control. And it's kind of a cool image. I'm not saying do this, but it's a cool image. Walk around with your long hair. And every time it gets in your face, you're like, wait a second. I'm on control today. I'm on control. He is. And if my hair's going to grow, it's going to grow. If it's going to fall out, it's going to fall out. He's in control, not me. A long time ago, there was in the forest this little bird, and the bird was building a nest. Anyone like to watch the birdies? Am I the only weird one who likes the birdies? That's cool. Few of you? Okay, cool. Bird watchers in the house? A bird was building a nest, and it found this perfect tree. This tree was fine, man. It was a perfect-looking tree. And the birdie, you know what they do? They, got the, they get the twigs, the straw, the moss, and the bird's going back and forth building a nest in that tree, having a time, excited about the future. Excited about the life that bird's going to have in that tree with his babies and his eggs and his coziness. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But then a lumberjack came along. Lumberjack. And the, 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 the birdie didn't know that the lumberjack's job for that day was to cut down that tree. The lumberjack could have waited and just not said anything and just let the, let the bird build its life there and knock the tree down, kill the bird and its family. No, no, no. Lumberjack's too kind. Lumberjack says, oh, man, starts kicking the tree, hitting the tree with his axe, making noise, throwing things. The bird is mad. The bird gets it. The bird's annoyed, but the bird goes to the next tree because that tree looks good too. Starts to build a nest oh, on that tree. Okay, I can do that. Getting his moss and his twigs and his beak, building, building a nest there. But what the bird he doesn't know is that the lumberjack's going to take down that second tree too. Lumberjack does the same thing. He's kicking, he's yelling, he's throwing things, he's hitting with his axe, shaking it. The bird, if it was annoyed before, it's furious now. Now, the bird doesn't just react. He's swooping at the lumberjack. He's furious. He's angry. He's mad. This happens three or four more times. And so finally, the bird gives up. So I'm done. Flies a little bit down this way. Finds a cliff. Finds a rock. Builds his life among the rock, on the rock. Where nothing can hurt it. Nothing can unsettle it. You are the bird. And God is your lumberjack. And there are some things that may have happened even this week that are unsettling, that are frustrating, doors that are closing, doors that you thought would stay open have slammed shut. 
People who you thought would be in your life forever have exited. Relationships you thought were permanent have, have ended. And it's easy to be like the bird and swoop at God and be mad at God but and be frustrated at God, but God sees things that you do not. And if we can let control of our life, we can see that he will make all things work together for good for, the lo- for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You can let go. I say, this wasn't my plan. This isn't what I was hoping for. This isn't what my dream was. But sometimes God will throw some rocks. He'll let you be unsettled. He'll let you be uncomfortable to lead you to build your life on the rock. Something that nothing can unsettle or upset. Him and his goodness and his word. John Newton said this. He's quoting Romans 8.28. He said, all shall work together for good. If you're a control freak, write this down. All shall work together for good. Everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. If God is sovereign, if God is in control, if he's the author and finisher of your faith, it may not be what you're asking for, it may not be what you want, but you can trust him. He's going to get us through to the promised land. Listen to me, in a world of uncertainty, make him your hope. Point one, in a world of chaos, make him your peace. Point two, in a world of uncertainty, make him your hope. Point three, six, verse six. Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. I wasn't planning on This might be the first thing on the list that you weren't planning to do this week. You're like, I got my white claws iced. I got a hair appointment. Dead bodies, no thank you. Verse 7, this is extreme. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. Now, this one is nice because it tells us why. It tells us why we do this. Point three is this. In an exhausting world, make him your holiness. Touching a dead body would make you unclean. It says, don't do that. Be clean, be holy. And what you need to know is in an exhausting world, make him your holiness. The reason why so many of us are exhausted, are tired, are burned out, are depleted is because you are trying to save yourself. You're trying to make yourself holy. Holy means other. You're trying to lift yourself up. Maybe it's to make up from the past. Maybe it's because you compare yourself with others. Whatever the case may be. Is this why you have to have a full calendar? Is this why you can't say no? Is this why every single client that comes your way you have to take? Is this why you're burned out? If you don't see the connection between making your own holiness with exhaustion, I'm going to ask you something. Do you really need more burdens in your life? Because I know a lot of people who have too many burdens on their back. I don't think I've ever met one who's like, I ain't got any. I'll take a few. What do you got? Do you really need more burdens in your life? Friends, this is why we can't rest. This is why we can't sit still. This is why we can't take an off day. This is why you take time off but still end up working. Because religion adds a burden while the gospel removes a burden. And if we see Christianity as just one more religion, You go to Barnes & Noble, you're like, there's all these religions, I'll just pick one, and there's a bunch of set of rules, and I'll pick which rules I like the best, and I follow the rules, and if I do good, if I do more good than bad, God will have to bless me and accept me into heaven, right? 
wrong. The gospel is you can be saved right now. The verdict is not out. It can be determined right now. The gospel is that we are more sinful and flawed than we'd ever believe. So sinful, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot make ourselves holy. But at the exact same time, because of what Christ has done for you, you're more loved and accepted in him than you can ever dare hope. So you can rest. You can rest. You can rest. There's nothing you can go out there and do to make God love you anymore than he does right now. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less than he does right now. The verdict is in. You're either adopted as a son or daughter of the king or you're not. It's very simple. We have some friends going through the adoption process. You're either adopted or not. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of buildup. Once you're adopted, you're in. You're either in or out. And if that child's having a bad day, being a naughty kid, the kid doesn't get kicked out of the family. That's not how it works. Jesus, Jesus Christ loves you so much, he came. He came to be your substitute. And this is what I want you to remember in the wilderness. That's not all on you. That he lived this perfect life in perfect obedience to God. That he died a death separated from God. That was the death you deserve. He took the death you should have you gotten. He paid for it on the cross. Because sin leads to separation from God. Jesus paid that on the cross. And what do you get in return? You get his righteousness, his holiness. You can stand in the presence of the Father because of what Jesus had did for you. Because of what he's done for you. Keller points this out in his teaching, and I, I don't, want to, don't want you to miss it. The point of this passage, I believe, is it points to Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the ultimate Nazarite. He took the ultimate oath leaving heaven and coming to earth to fulfill this mission. He lost joy. He lost peace. He gave it to you. He literally poured out wine. He poured his blood poured out. He lost peace. He lost joy so you could have joy and peace, not just in this wilderness, but throughout eternity. He surrendered control. Right before he died, do you remember what he said? He said, not my will, but yours be done. He laid all control down. He took the form of a servant, emptied himself of his glory. (sighs) Finally, when he touched the dead body, what happens to us? We become alive. Jesus Christ passed through death so that you and I may have life. He makes us clean. He passed through death himself. He's alive and he reigns forevermore. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian today, you say, that's me. It's only because Jesus Christ came and touched you and has made you alive. Scripture says we're not sick in our sin, even though we are, you know, but not on life support in our sin, you know, no, no, no. Dead in our sin. And a dead person cannot save themselves. You cannot resuscitate yourselves. You cannot perform enough to bring yourself back to life. It takes intervention from the outside. And that is what Jesus has done for you. He makes dead things alive again. If you're a Christian, may that peace change your life. Because it's something we tend to forget. It's something we forget in the wilderness, y'all. We forget it. We forget he's our peace, he's our joy. We, we forget to give lay control at his feet. We forget that. We forget that he makes dead things come to life. We forget that. If you're not a Christian, I want you to know that he offers this to you today freely. You can be saved, you can be rescued, not based on what you've done, but based on what Jesus has done for you. Would you pray with me right now? Father, for the believers in the house, help us know 
Help us carry this out. That in a world of chaos, may we make you our peace. In a world of uncertainty, may we make you our hope. And God, in, a, in an exhausting world, may we make you our holiness. I thank you that Jesus, you're the ultimate Nazarite. You lost peace and joy so we could have it. You laid down control so we could be rescued. You touched us. Dead people we were. You brought us life and salvation. If anyone in this room today, if anyone's here, if you've never known the gospel, if you thought you just had earned your way to heaven, and maybe you've been trying, maybe you've been trying hard, and maybe you were just exhausted. Maybe you're like that woman in the story, and we're, or really like all of us, we switch from idol to idol, trying to, trying to earn it, trying to feel good, trying to feel whole. If that's you, you can lay it all down. You can lay it all down. You can lay control down. You can lay the search for holiness down, the search for worth, because he wants to give it to you right here and now. If that's you, if you want to know him, it can be your gift today. Ask him in your life. You can pray what you feel led to pray, but if you're not even sure what to pray, if you want, if you want to know him today, if you want to be saved today, if you want to become a Christ follower today, if you want to receive him today, and you don't even know what to pray, pray something like this from your heart today. As you can say, Father, I want to know you. Accept me not based on my past, but based on Jesus' past, based on what Jesus has done for me. I repent for my sin. I repent for running my life. I ask you to run it. Be my peace and my joy. Be my hope. I lay down my control. Guide me through this wilderness. Make dead things come to life. May, me, may I come alive. Not based on what I've done, but based on what you've done for me. If you prayed that or something like it, I'd love to know because I want to pray for you right here and now. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward, but if, if this is you, if you've received him today, if you repented and turned to him today, if you've repented and believed the gospel today, here in this room or online, with all heads down and all eyes closed, let us know. When no one look up at me, would you please lift your hand in the air real high so I can pray for you real quick? Praise God. You may lower your hands. Father, for the hands in the room, fill them with your Holy Spirit, with your mercy. I ask you to give them joy. I ask you to give them peace. I ask you to make them whole. I ask you to give them hope. God, it's hard for us to do. Help us take our hands off controlling our life. May you control them. May you guide us. Guide us through this wilderness. May dead men and women come to life. We thank you, Jesus. For anyone here who needs hope, God, give us hope. Many of us are believers. We forget this. We live lives of control. We live lives of joylessness. We live lives of hopelessness. Help us remember who you are, Jesus, the ultimate Nazarite. That you came to save us, to rescue us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. Be sure to check out past messages that will be sure to encourage and challenge you. Let's partner together to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing truth of the gospel. Would you help others find this podcast by rating it and leaving a review? And if you're local, we would love to meet you. Check out our service times online. Thanks for subscribing, sharing with a friend, and we will see you soon.